Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me, Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Belly Up Media. Go download, subscribe, rate, and review us on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the day is Jaron Blossom Game. How did we come up with that? Usually I try to throw in some hints, different Easter eggs. I didn't have one. I completely forgot on brainstorming a college hooper of the day. And so just about 30 seconds ago, before we hit record, I asked Taylor, give me a random college hooper. And he went with Jaron Blossom game. So Taylor, I, what, why? Like, what is, I mean, we we did a word association essentially. Can you help me better understand how Jaron Blossom game popped into your head? Let's see. Um, how do we how do we bring this? Is there are six back? degrees of separation here. So um, I usually never in my life do I put in uh, college football bets bef- like way early when the lines come out. But I liked so many of the lines that came out yesterday, including the Clemson Florida State line I was looking at. So then Clemson came up, and then I was thinking about Clemson basketball, and for some reason. Blossom game was the first guy that popped into my mind with Clemson basketball. Who would be, that's another question. Who would be the first person you would think of with Clemson basketball? Trevor Booker. Trevor Booker. Yeah. Blossom game, kind of similar style, similar size to, to Booker, right? What Terrence did you say? Oglesby had little John Coliseum going. Crazy. I mean, we're not talking about like the cream of the crop here though. So like, okay. yeah, I don't know. That's just how I got Clemson was on the mind just because I was looking at that while I was awake at like 3 a.m. last night, feeding, feeding young dot uh, there. So, you know, doing, doing very mature fatherhood things by betting on sports while I have a bottle in one hand and, and uh, DraftKings in the other. Well, you're setting her up for financial success. It's just, I, I just had to get inside your mind because it was almost like we did a word association and it, it's it's kind of off of a, a different branch on the same tree of Slumdog Millionaire when, when they're like, Jamal, how did you know this answer? Like, What connection do you have to Jaron Blossom game here? And then you, you're able to give me your beautiful mind, your thoughts of a beautiful mind. So yeah. He is your college hooper of the day. I also think of DeAndre Hopkins sometimes. Do you ever think of Rome, the Roman Empire? Have you, do you? Like apparently that's a thing now too. Uh, yeah. I is it surprising? Am I not? Let's talk about this. This is the longest opening segment in the that's fine. Of well, hey, okay, hang on. Let me get to the okay. website nonsense and then we'll get back to Rome. Okay, uh, check out the website it. at theaterincollegehoops.com and make sure to follow me at CBB Theater to find out where the feet is. You should also follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains.
Deep to shoot. Hall, the runner! Loose ball! It's good! With 4.4 to go! Shannon! Don't want to foul! Shannon! From the corner! I don't think of it that often. You do? Oh, totally. Every, literally every day. I am the I am the standard bearer for this question. This is more absurd in my estimation than Jaron Blossom game. I mean, I'm a real estate guy. I'm not, you know, am I a real estate guy or a guy who does real estate? You know, I'm a real estate guy, right? And a lot of the houses around here have arches in them. And so it's not necessarily hard to put together that that, you know, I mean, I did go to Rome last year, about a year ago. Yeah, okay. we just had our one year anniversary, Subi, by the way. Thanks for, uh, hey, thanks for a wonderful weekend a year ago in Pine Top, Arizona. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, I'm a big architecture and engineering guy. Uh, the best the best one uh, or best response to that question that I saw this week on like TikToker. Um, I not, don't have TikTok, so it's called a reel that was a TikTok, um, was that some girl texted her dad and that, and he was like, I mean, I won't say what he actually said, but he's like, well, yeah, every time I go to the bathroom, I think about the modern day sewer system and how like the Roman empire was who invented that. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, I had a Caesar salad the other day. Again, not hard to, not hard to connect the dots on, on that. Um, yeah, but you took the steps to connect the dots after you're having a nice sit on the toilet to the Roman Empire, having a beautiful meal outside potentially with a Caesar salad, and then saying, I wonder what, like, usually I'm just very excited and relieved to pinch one off or fill my stomach. And that's it. That's pretty much where my mind ends up. I got a lot going on up there. So I'm not saying all of it's worth worthwhile that's going on up there. I'm saying there's a lot going on. I'm not saying it's worth anything, but there is a lot going on. A lot of moving moving parts up there in the old damn old brain. Uh, not for good necessarily, but there's a couple things bouncing around, pinging around in there. So Rachel asked me this randomly. First of all, I'm half asleep or half awake, however you want to look at it, early in the morning. She's getting ready and she's like, hey, do you ever think about the Roman Empire? And I'm thinking this is some sort of lead-in to getting me in trouble somehow. Oh, oh totally. Yeah, no, same exact situation with me and Danielle. But yeah, continue on. No, well, I'm just thinking to myself, like, all right, I don't think I have any bases that I need to cover, but let's proceed carefully here and how I respond to this question. And so I was just doing a quick, quick brainstorm in my head of, have I gotten myself into any compromising positions? No because we haven't really been doing anything. So then I answered truthfully, which was no, not at all. Why? And then she told me it was a TikTok trend. And then I was like, okay. But then it, it, it took me to the second layer of this, which is I'm shocked that this many guys, because I think I have a pretty decent pulse. I'm, I feel like I'm an average guy who does average guy things. And a, apparently the average guy thinks about the Roman Empire. I didn't know that. Shocked me. Yeah, yeah I mean... I don't know. It's just, they, they invented a lot of the things that we do in modern society. So I'm a big, I also am a big, once I turn off sports center, which does actually happen contrary to popular belief. Um, I pretty much am rolling through or have rolled through every single like documentary of every single kind on like Netflix and Hulu and Peacock and all that. So those are pretty common documentaries to, to roll through there. So yeah, I, I'd say it's a, uh, I will 
again, defend myself, uh, not defend, there's no th- nothing to defend here, but just to say, you know, the architect engineering side of me is probably higher than most in the sense that it is not exactly my profession, but it is certainly a part of my profession. I feel like you're, you are putting it to better use, at least your brain power, or your thought power, because I don't really care about the wars and I guess they're all intertwined really, but like the wars and I don't know, maybe the geographical significance of some, some items you're talking about, like you had mentioned, actually building things and what was contributed to society that we potentially still use today. Like nobody's riding around on horse and chariot anymore. Nobody's in uh, the Coliseum, right. Uh, Having, having bare knuckle brawls with, swords and tigers things of that nature you're thinking of the practical items that well, are still around today well i'm also a big like stadium nerd like i was disappointed in myself that i didn't realize the patriots put in a whole new 250 million dollar screen and shit like that so i spent like an hour reading up on that the other day so again that ru- goes back to the coliseum which is where this all began i probably i actually maybe i think about it more than i even <laughs> More than I oh, absolutely. Realize. Dude, the yeah. way that you responded makes me actually think that you think about it far more than the average TikToker's boyfriend. Yeah, I think I you think about it quite often. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I guess I don't. Maybe I should focus more on the fatherhood side of things here now, or maybe I should focus more on sports betting because we're running a nonprofit sports bet uh, service over here at this point. It's true. So, hey, speaking of fatherhood, by the way, I just stumbled on this. Rothstein tweet. I want to get your feedback on the accuracy, I suppose, because you're both in the same boat, I suppose, in terms of a tenure of fatherhood. So his first child came 17 days ago and he says, I'm 17 days into parenthood and every second feels like I'm in a bye game against Colgate and down 10 at the under 16 timeout of the second half. This is only the first month. So real quick, it's not that outrageous to me if a team – first of all, why are you scheduling Colgate as a buy game? Colgate's proven to be very good. I would never do that. So it doesn't necessarily shock me that any team would be down 10 against Colgate no matter the time of year. But that's just me being a college basketball nerd. Taylor, your perspective on that tweet. Yeah, uh, I, I can see where he's going with this in the sense that, like, okay, you're playing – you don't want to call them an inferior opponent but someone who's like definitely a smaller school than you, let's put it that way. And they're definitely giving you all the trouble. Their defense is immaculate uh, compared to what you saw on film. Uh, I could see this, you know, I said the other day that it was like having a shorter shot clock. I'd actually like to amend that statement or maybe uh, make an addition to that and say, it's like also, it's also having fewer possessions. You have fewer possessions and a shorter shot clock. uh, And you got to get the same amount of stuff in you got to score the same amount of points with less possessions and a shorter shot clock. That's that's my that's my weekly uh, college basketball metaphor for fatherhood. So I I will agree. Uh, and then just to go off what Rothstein is saying, and yes, it's in a it's in a buy game against like a yeah like a Coppin State type of situation. So I think first of all, after this episode, you need to reply to Rothstein with your own analogy it with your own comparison okay uh, but also i can't wait to uh, this might be a new segment as the weeks go on 
you just continue to add to it. So last week it was strictly shot clock. This week it's shot clock plus fewer possessions. I can't wait to see what next week yields. Well, I'm going to already add on to one more just because I'm going to forget it next week because I'll probably be sleep deprived. And I'd be like, especially if like mom's out of the house and you're missing your starting point guard in this in this game too. And so that's that got, that gets tough. You have to rely uh, your your backup players, um, your role players. Uh, really got to step up uh, in that situation. Uh, so yeah, that's when mom leaves the house for a little bit, then then your backup point guards in the game, oof, things things can start to get difficult real quick. So like, uh, that's a, luckily luckily you can then call in from the transfer portal and get grandma to come over and help though as well. Sisters over there as well. It's almost like Kendall Marshall going down for North Carolina and the Tar Heels. The expectations are still a national title, but it's that much more difficult to do it. So, uh, Taylor, let's dive in now to some storylines, some topics here in the college basketball space. We are going to start in Lawrence. Okay. They've had, by all accounts, an amazing, amazing offseason building through the transfer portal. They bring in Hunter Dickinson, who some would argue is the most coveted or was the most coveted transfer in the entire portal. They also brought in Artario Morris over from Texas, but that was short lived. Kansas has suspended transfer guard Artario Morris from the program indefinitely. I don't know when or if he will be back, but let me read out some of the details here, Taylor. And this is a report from Myron Medcalf. Uh, the Kansas city star reported Friday that his suspension comes amid a university of Kansas police investigation of an alleged sexual assault last month at McCarthy hall, the dorm on campus where the men's basketball team lives. Although Morris is not named in the incident important to note per the star, a source told the newspaper that Morris is the subject of quote, an allegation quote. I can confirm that Arterio Morris has been suspended from the program. Daniel Burke, a Kansas athletics spokesman told ESPN by phone, by phone, that is all we can confirm. Uh, last month, an 18-year-old woman from Missouri went to police and reported an alleged rape in the men's college basketball dorm. Morris, again, has not been arrested, and the DA's office in Lawrence told the star that Morris's case, quote, has not been presented to our office for charging considerations. There were a few other players uh, from Kansas that were mentioned in the incident report as witnesses, but they were not remotely, uh, source tells, involved in the incident uh, last little piece of information that's worth sharing morris's suspension comes one day after he entered a plea deal that canceled an october trial that had been set for a misdemeanor assault charge against him last summer he was arrested after an ex-girlfriend accused him of assaulting her following a breakup prior to his freshman season at texas so taylor the entire offseason has been really great for kansas shoot you could even include Christian Brown winning an NBA title. But here, as we start to approach the season, some very bad news uh, for Arterio Morris and also the Kansas basketball program. Let's open it up to your just general thoughts, either on the case, what it means for Kansas basketball. We'll go in whatever direction you're thinking. Well, I mean, there's no there's no good thoughts about this, obviously. I think that goes without saying here. Um, Kansas is the type of program that could – easily I and mean, i do say easily um fill the void that that this would open up um they have guard depth as you said they got hunter dickinson they they're always going to have a deep enough team don't think this necessarily affects their title hopes which 
isn't necessarily the most important thing in this situation. Um, I've always thought I'm going to take this very different direction than you probably were thinking I was going to go. I've always thought the very specific athletic dorms, especially for one team is a very unique situation on campus because, and I don't know what happened. Nobody knows what this happened in this situation, but you're essentially, if I remember, because when, when Kansas built this dorm, it was kind of like one of the first, I think, of its kind where they essentially just built housing specifically for one program. And it's, uh, I think it opens up more of these bad situations because essentially you don't have a lot of neutral parties as witnesses when bad events happen, I, I would think. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing, uh, especially with how the NIL has affected um players especially at like a Kansas separating them from uh, the rest of the re- regular students but you've essentially put these now rich not rich but well compensated athletes in their own separate dorm it, there's almost nothing you know you keep separating them from the student being the student athlete right and so then you get in these type of situations where it's almost like okay there's only if i remember the specific dorm there's no more than i think 20 rooms in this dorm i would have to go back and look i know that there are some that are that small where it's like essentially like a really big apartment building or a really small apartment building and so you probably get this it's certainly not uh what what dorm did you live in at u of a Gila, baby. Gila, Gila. Awful dorm. Awful dorm. Um, it is. It's, cer- it's, not, it's certainly not those situations where you have like a normal RA, a normal neighbor, like if some stuff's going down in another uh, apartment that it would uh, be reported pretty easily. I don't know if that has anything to do with this case. It's just uh, it's something that was brought up and you brought it up in that article where it's kind of a unique situation where I think there's more bad stuff that could happen than necessarily good. It's all supposed to be team bonding, blah, 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 all that type of stuff. But at the same time, if you got 15 people that are all going to potentially maybe cover for each other in, in bad situations, you would like to think that's not the case, but it oftentimes probably is. I, I would, I would think maybe campuses start to think if this is the real way to go for the student housing situation. So that's definitely not, I don't think where you thought I was going to go with this, but it was something that kind of popped into my mind when, when reading it. It's an interesting perspective and one that I'm glad you brought up. And it's almost like this roundabout way of coming to the con- to, to the conclusion or the start of why these big time athletes have separate dorms. And I feel like the main inspiration or the main driver is so that they can avoid scenarios like this. Usually, if you think, if you're planning this out, you're saying to yourself, if my athletes and, and these high profile people are going to be next to like me or you who are not high profile at all, just regular students. You would think that the, the chances for something untoward or bad to happen skyrockets. I think Palo Bancaro, cause I don't know if Duke, does Duke do basketball dorms. I'd assume that they do, but I'm not sure. Like Palo Bancaro was on a podcast and I guess his room number got out at Duke And he had people literally lining up, knocking on his door, waiting for autographs. And this is just a college kid trying to get through a couple semesters at Duke. So you you just try and avoid those situations as a leader for your players. But yet here we are. And I want to shift focus because a lot of what's happening in the legal case is pretty, uh, well, first of all, it's very bleak. 
but also it's a little unclear. So I don't even know if we have any information to really make a, a judgment call or a decision here. It was certainly enough for Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks to suspend Morris. And I think that kind of speaks to your point about it not impacting. You know, you'd like to think that these these coaches take morality more seriously than winning, but we've seen time and time again, and I'm not necessarily saying Bill Self, but coaches across the board, across the sports, if you can help me and contribute to a national title winner, you're going to stick around unless it's something remarkably egregious. And I'm not here to define what exactly that is. But I do want to push back, Taylor, and this has nothing to do with the decision. I actually do think this impacts Kansas and their national title hopes. They're going to be a very good team. I'm fine with keeping them number one entering the season. But in terms of cutting down the nets, number one, it's this is the one sport that's truly impossible to forecast come March. No one would have thought FAU, Miami, UConn even, no matter – like no one would have thought those teams – we're going to be in the final four. Uh, but and, and actually, no one would have thought UNC would be terrible this past year. No one would have thought Kansas probably would have lost to Arkansas in round, round two. But I digress. The point that I'm making is that you need every single shred, every single fiber, every single player to cut down those nets, in my estimation. I thought this Morris pickup was huge because everyone's so focused on Hunter Dickinson, and he's going to be gargantuan. But Arterio Morris was a five-star recruit. He showed a, li- a few flashes at Texas who had their own incredible run. And now he comes to a great coach in Bill Self in a great position, uh, playing alongside Dewan Harris and, and KJ Adams, McCuller, Hunter Dickinson. And he does this. And I, I, I think that Kansas is certainly going to be, well, I shouldn't say he does this. I should say he allegedly did something or he's been involved in something. Okay. Uh, that is what's being alleged. I want to make sure my words are clear, but I do think this impacts Kansas uh, on the court hugely in terms of cutting down the nets. I mean, I think I saw brought up a couple times, even though they're not exactly playing the same position, you know, you've got uh, uh, Furphy there, John Furphy, who's potentially gonna have to pick up some of that slack freshman uh, from Australia there. Um, you know, someone that not everybody knows a ton about. Uh, he had kind of a bit story. He was kind of notable when when uh, they picked him up earlier this year. Uh, but a guy like that uh, is probably going to have to pe- step up and play a few more minutes uh, than maybe anticipated. And that's just, I guess, where the unknown is going to be um, is the guys like that, you know, the international guys, can they fill in that role? I mean, they got so many guards on this team, though, that <laughs> – I mean, I know again that like we're, we're, that you're saying that is going to impact, and sure, I'm sure it is. But if you look at their guards, like these are they probably have four or five guards that could start on like high major college basketball teams. So the, the only, I, know- I think the big thing I, I want to make clear is that I think Arterio Morris was going to help them with regards to scoring from the guard position. Like sure, Dewan sure. Harris, Dewan Harris doesn't score. I actually think that's a huge knock that people give him that I'm personally fine with. I think Dewan Harris impacts the game so well in other facets for a point guard that I don't really care that he only scores like two to four points on maybe four field goal attempts. I think they were counting on Morris to come in and pick up some of that shot selection and and scoring. So that's the point that I wanted to make. Sure. And I think, you know, spill self too, of course, one of the, if not the best college basketball coach in the country. Um, 
of course he knows how to deal with missing players and stuff like that. So maybe, you know, maybe Hunter Dickinson does get five more touches a game um, than, than previous. Maybe, maybe this positively affects his stats. Fortunately, again, not to beat this dead horse, right, but they do have enough depth at all of these positions where they can kind of refinagle their their roster makeup or their their lineup makeup, let's call it, on a on a game by game or even possession by possession basis, just in saying, okay, so we we're we're down a score, but we do have maybe the national player of the year down low. Let's work the ball inside a little more. So I think they're going to be just fine. I. I also would say that this would be a much bigger impact if this had happened on January 10th, you know, and that's why I think it maybe isn't going to impact them all that much where, I mean, school just started first Kansas, probably two or three weeks ago is all, you know? So, I mean, we, they're only in the open gym, let's call it portion of the program. Um, Midnight madness, I think, isn't for another, what, 10 days, something, something in that range, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, as team chemistry started to get built certainly but it's certainly not in full you know full throttle mode where they're trying to run out there who's going to be our starting lineup who's going to be our six man so on and so forth i'm sure bill self obviously has a great idea of all this in advance but having to pivot mid-season like say texas did when chris beard got suspended last year is a little i know it's a coach versus player but i think that's a little different than this situation where these guys have barely even started scrimmaging really in practice. And so it's kind of a, um, you can't miss something you never had almost type of deal. Um, And I don't know, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not giving um, Terry enough credit for how good he is. I'm just saying that I think if if this is going to happen from the college basketball perspective, not from the personal side of it, if this is going to happen, we're still two months essentially away a month and a half away from the college basketball season even starting it's not like they don't have time um to make up for it again and again if it happened at a different school you'd be like well that's going to be a big time situation where they're going to be super hurt it's like well you got bill self you got maybe the best college basketball program in the country and you've got one of the deepest teams in the country i think they're going to be just fine yeah i i do think that's a fair point and again i i have to reiterate that nobody knows diddly squat in terms of forecasting or predicting all you can do is just go based off of what you see on paper. And I do think Arterio Morris was slated to start or at least to get some monster minutes for Kansas. And now it doesn't seem like he's going to be with the team whatsoever. And I do think that that's something that they is a luxury. I feel like Kansas may lose a couple games, where you say to yourself, well, if they had Morris, they probably pull those out. And so you're right. They, they have plenty of time to set their lineups, identify who they are as a team. And if there's, look, Bill Self could win with us. I'm convinced of that. But uh, I, I think that everything was just rolling for Kansas, that this is kind of an annoying little hiccup that is going to uh, maybe maybe stay with them throughout the entire season. Who knows how many questions they're going to be fielding about this as more details come out and as the investigation proceeds. I feel like we do see that quite often. You bring up the Chris Beard situation. I think the poor Texas players are fielding questions about a grown man, right? Someone like Chris Beard. And they're in the midst of an awesome Big 12 run and they have to answer some of these questions. Now, again, I think Kansas is a team that's equipped to do that. They have veterans, like I mentioned. They have Wando, who's a national champion. They have Hunter Dickinson, who's asked been asked every question under the sun. 
they have McCuller, KJ Adams, but this is just kind of a nuisance for the Kansas basketball program, I feel like. And that's not to minimize what has actually happened uh, or what's being purported to have happened, but it's just an like everything was just going so smoothly, it felt like for Kansas. Well, and you know, I, the media side of it or the, um, the questioning of it is uh, another point that it, that is a good one to make that it is good that it's early in the season. They're going to start with these questions and they'll have these questions for like the opening media day and press conferences. But then that's going to be pretty much it for the players. I, 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 I would think. In, I don't in, know. I just in, feel in, like we could see some new developments and then it pops its sure, ugly head. And it's just not going to be the same. It, it's just not going to be the same type of questions because this guy just still just got here he's not if this was a fourth year guy on the team yo did you know this guy was doing this like all this type of stuff you know and and it could lead to you know people that we don't really know a lot about uh stepping up that may or may not be big time deals like uh 29 year old uh nicholas don't call me justin timberlake uh entering i think a six year now you know he's like baby that's my boy it's 38 percent uh three-point shooter you know let me just say this sub they do certainly have enough time to get in sync Oh, sorry. you're like Iron I'm Eagle. Sorry. I'm sorry. You're like Iron Eagle there. Finds a blank space for the touchdown. Yeah. Oh, that's clever. Now that's, look, I mean, there's no there's no better way to move on from that subject. I like that. Well done, Taylor. Uh, but yeah, Kansas suspending Arterio Morris indefinitely will you, continue for those developments. You thought my sleep depravity was going to affect <laughs> what's going on. I got Roman architectural knowledge bouncing uh, around up here. Man. I got NSYNC up there. Come on. Aren't they back together? Like, did they do something? I saw on Instagram, all of them in an elevator. What's happening there. Uh, there was another, uh, reel today. Boy, this sucks that I'm bringing up two reels in back to back segments here. Um, like I'm a 13 year old living on social media. Um, they did have something today, uh, about how they all know something. They like, mimed the friends um when um uh monica and chandler were like hiding their relationship do you know something do i know something do you know something you know something that i can't tell you whatever that line is so that was all of them they were like miming that today so yeah they're they're definitely brewing something up there all right stay tuned of course hey taylor can we talk a little bit about what's going on in hanover new hampshire dartmouth Have you heard about this? Have you seen this? Dartmouth men's basketball players have filed a petition seeking to unionize. This is very, very interesting. A petition filed with the National Labor Relations Board on Wednesday by the Service Employees International Union, last Wednesday, I should say, uh, identified 15 players from the Ivy League school as seeking representation. The SEIU, again, Service Employees International Union, was listed as the petitioner with Dartmouth College and its board of trustees identified as the employer. Dartmouth spokesperson Jana Barnello provided a statement to the Associated Press confirming the petition had been filed seeking to represent the players and declaring it was under review. The petition has been assigned to the NLRB's Boston region, according to the filings online testing. We have the utmost respect for our students and for unions generally, the statement said. Quote, we are carefully considering this petition with the aim of responding promptly, yet thoughtfully in accordance with Dartmouth's educational mission and priorities. Now, Taylor Northwestern University's football team, they made a bid to form the first union for college athletes. This was back in 2014. It was a move that was met with almost immediate opposition 
uh, by college conferences and schools that argued it would fundamentally alter a system in which hundreds of millions of dollars are distributed annually to conferences and uh, and schools. The move ultimately ended in August 2015, so that was kind of like a full year, with the NLRB board ruling unanimously that creating a new system of union and non-union college teams would lead to different standards from school to school. It said a system with varied money for players and things like practice time would create competitive imbalance. Uh, so Taylor, we got Dartmouth trying to resurrect this unionization uh, which we originally saw from the Northwestern football team about, what, nine years ago, approaching 10 thoughts on this very interesting development. It's like the perfect school and state for this to be happening, too. And I'll leave, I'll just leave it at that. Everyone can make their own conclusions to my opinion about why I said that. But um, I think it's dumb, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Nobody cares about Dartmouth basketball. Um, you couldn't, and you. I don't think. I know maybe this is just surface level naive of me to think, but you couldn't do this at like a um, at a Arizona or a Duke or a Kansas or a whatever because, in my opinion, that would probably lead to some of the players making less money than they're now making. Right. I mean, Dartmouth doesn't have the NIL that a Hunter Dickinson. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're a guy like Hunter Dickinson or whatever, and we all have to now. Uh, you know, subscribe to the same thoughts or, you know, get paid the same amount or whatever, then if you're Hunter Dickinson, you're like, yeah, no, I'm going to go ahead and not do that because I'm not going to make the same amount of money as Nicholas Timberlake. I'm going to make 10, 15, 30, 100 times more than him. And I'm not, I'm not kicking it. I'm not kicking him 100 G's this year just because he's on the team. So um, I don't think it's going to, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think there's any real way to, uh, police this maybe would be the way to to do it because yeah if each and they're not even really employees of the school which is a whole nother well that's what they're trying to say that they are but yeah i mean that then that's the problem where the nil stuff kicks in even at a small as small of a school like um like dartmouth right because if they're not getting paid by the school if they're getting paid by neutral third parties let's call it that they're not really employees of the school are they employees of the car dealership down the street i don't know and then this all goes back rolls back to the compensation where and and dartmouth is interesting in the sense that they don't have athletic scholarships so that's a that's a one that probably couldn't happen at other schools too where i still think it's a valid argument from some schools to say hey the scholarship is your compensation for this does that apply to every single one of the 300 and however many 325 330 d1 programs that there are in college basketball now no, because again, it, the NIL deals are different. The compensation is different. Um, and the point of, I mean, part of the point of being in a union, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, is like the right that you're not going to get like fired or, you know, like you, you kind of have a job that's safe. And it's like, well, if you're matriculating every four years, how, you, what are you in the union for life? I don't know. I think yeah, you're getting a retirement pension dental. I don't, I, I guess I don't really, I, 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 I don't see how this would work. I guess I understand the concept of it in their, in their regard. I think if I may make a somewhat unpopular opinion, I don't, maybe this is an unpopular opinion. I, I think we have gotten so far away from the fact that we're all just playing a game here. 
that it's like there's so much discussion about this stuff now that I think people are, are almost forgetting that this is just like a fun thing that we're all doing. You know, I, I, I know that that's I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion to say that I I, I, I get the NIL like I don't, I don't I'm not trying to offend anybody. This but it's is like, serious uh, damn business. Uh, I, yeah, it's like, guys, we're you're playing. You're shooting a ball in front of like eight people I, how, on a game that you like your mom took you to the playground growing up. And that's it's not like you. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's still not like D1 you get, hoops, baby. They're putting I, hours in the gym. I know. They, I think no, just, no, never mind the fact that they haven't made the tournament, I think, since the 50s. But yeah, I love it. Go ahead. Go I, ahead. St- I still mean it across the entirety of college basketball, entirety of sports in general. And I think this all the time, even though I'm about the biggest, well, you, I mean, you're in this boat too. The tied for the biggest sports fan across the board of anybody I've ever met in my life. I still on a daily basis, when I'm done thinking about the Roman empire and shit, thinking to myself, this is so dumb that we had put so much time, money and effort into this, you know, where I'm actually like channeling my wife's inner thoughts where I'm like, this is really stupid that we are, that I'm up until 2am arguing with like my buddy 6,000 miles away about our stupid fantasy football team. You know, like I understand that this is how dumb this all is. And I'm, so I'm not trying to put down the individual students who have gotten to this level and stuff like that. But I think sometimes we as a whole need to take a step back and be like, okay, we're all still just watching a guy like shoot a basketball into a hoop and now we're unionizing and now we're not all, it's like it's kind of like can we just can we just maybe take a step back and remember what we're doing why we're doing it here that's a beautiful soliloquy what a rant i enjoyed that taylor i really do it did because I, I i'm actually on the complete opposite side of you and actually for the theater goer what we're looking to do here taylor create a bit more conflict i suppose not manufactured like first take or or undisputed or anything like that i think we need to find some more topics where we're on the opposite side of the fence and for this one i am now part of it is joking but part of it i do find impressive and cool and and kind of kind of groundbreaking so first of all uh, i agree with you that that this is is far-fetched i think it's a bit of a pie in the sky i i don't want to really diminish this but the only comparison i have right now is like when a a seven-year-old says he wants to be an astronaut when he grows up or he wants to be something completely like a, a marine biologist which are certainly attainable if there's any seven-year-olds listening follow your dreams but i feel like that's a very pie in the sky type of uh, career trajectory and i don't foresee this working out for for dartmouth but i do applaud the effort I, i i genuinely do like it's not me patting them on the head i think this is really neat what these kids are doing and i think they're the perfect school to do it as a matter of fact you're not going to get this like you had mentioned from a blue blood or a big time program but rather you're going to get this from a, a team that says, look, if we're going to be putting in all these hours and I, I net like, look, I, I'm serious about it being D one basketball, those Dartmouth players, majority of the listeners that, that listen to this podcast and, and consume our stuff would get mopped up by these D one Dartmouth players, make fun of them all you want for their record. They would smoke you in an open run. That's I'm, I'm very confident in saying that. So I want them, uh, and I, I think it's interesting, right? They want to become employees of the school. They want to they want to potentially negotiate salary. Who knows? But I think this was an interesting quote, right? Michael McCann, director of Sports and Entertainment Law Institute at UNH, uh, he wrote, there's a good substantive 
legal argument many, though not all, college athletes are employees. Dartmouth is probably not the ideal private school men's team to try this, given that they are not a major program in our Ivy League, where there are no athletic scholarships. You hit that, Taylor. Well done. But Dartmouth student workers and dining services are already in a union. So from that lens, it is a good school. So I would only I would only say this to the Dartmouth players. You may have to be careful what you wish for. The reason I bring that up is because we've always like we've we've been towing and getting closer and closer to the line of legally being an employee of the school. And we've seen so many times players, they want their NIL and they push for it. And that's great. I'm in full support of that. But you see people saying, look, if you're getting paid like an employee, uh, you're, you might as well be one. Now, legally, you are not. But if you cross this threshold, Dartmouth, you are then legally an employee of the school. And that comes with a lot of different things that you can't necessarily uh, avoid if you're just a student athlete. Just last week, there's a report that came out about Lane Kiffin basically berating a player who's going through mental illness. And in some of the quotes from Lane, he said, you know what happens in the real world? You know what happens with your employer? All right. And a lot of people were kind of up in arms and shocked, obviously, with the rhetoric from Lane. But I think it was Bomani Jones who pointed out Lane is treating his players at every step of the way, at every place that he's coached, like an employee employer relationship, like a boss subordinate relationship. Uh, and Bomani saying that's like that. I'm telling you, Dartmouth, like if you cross into this threshold, then you will be legitimate employees of Dartmouth. And that might come with some extra baggage. Now, again, uh, it is Dartmouth College. It's not Ole Miss football, but just be a little careful. And then to your point about the four years, what I find admirable is that the the inspiration or the driving force for these guys is to make it a better place for people coming in. I, I genuinely think that's their vision because, you, like you said it, you got four years at Dartmouth and then you're off. So you're not going to be able to enjoy the fl- fruits of whatever labor that is. And especially the guys right now laying the groundwork. Right, Taylor? We we mentioned with Northwestern, they started that initiative in 14, and then it ended, I think a conclusion came in 15. This article quoted that this is going to be a long process. So if you're a junior or a senior at Dartmouth, you're probably not going to be a part of this union that you're fighting so hard for. So I do find it admirable that the players are trying to lay the groundwork for future generations. And just from a college basketball perspective, from a perspective of this has zero impact on me whatsoever, has zero impact on my viewing ability, my enjoyment of the game. I think it's neat. It's a bit, it's like a disruptor sort of thing. So look, I think it's cool. I'm applauding these young men. I would just be careful what you wish for. And uh, I don't think it's actually going to come to fruition. Sub, do you like math? Not really. No, I don't. Why? Well, let me tell you why the Dartmouth food employees have a union and why the basketball one wouldn't work, right? The basketball program brought in about $900,000 in revenue last year. Okay. They're which far under exceed or, you know, underperforms what their uh, costs are. Right. The Dartmouth food uh, dining hall operates on about a $15 million per year revenue uh, situation. So, when you get asked, like, why do you have a job? Why does your company employ you, Sue? And that's to provide value to, to your company, right? 
So one of the arguments be like, hey, you guys actually owe us money because like the other union we have on campus actually makes us money and you don't make us shit. So I know that's not how it actually worked. But if you want to be an employee, right, does that also mean that because you suck at basketball, you just get to get fired? Like, hey, dude, well, you went 0 of 12 from three last game. And because you're an employee of ours, you're not really living up. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to let you go. I mean, is that like, I, it, I, that's where I was going when you said that, be careful what you wish for a situation. Everyone only want to look, look, look at the rosy side of what being an employee in this situation would be. Uh, if you're an employee, doesn't that mean that comes with all of the parts like of being an employee? Consequences for not performing well. Right. Like, I mean, isn't, I don't think that's a crazy, I don't think this wouldn't happen. Right. And I wouldn't yeah, no, I, but even I see what I might, you're saying. Right. Even though I'm not even for, I'm not even for the unionization is this situation. Don't you have, isn't there a legitimate argument to say, well, okay, you own, you don't only get the good side of all of this, right? If you want to be this fine, but that also means that there are negative, negative sides to it too. If you underperform, if you're not bringing in uh, enough money, maybe you're getting fired. I don't know. I'm not sure that's how it would even work in this situation. I know it wouldn't, but it's 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 just something else to bring up to say, listen, you're not bringing in any money. You're costing us more money to, to have you here than than anything else. So that's that would be a, an interesting argument to have. Well, Professor Damel, I really enjoy going down this hypothetical road. So I'm going to retort by going completely <laughs> roundabout and touching my nose from the top of the sky. Right. I'm going to say that one of the perks of unionization is that it can make an employer more attractive to employees. All right. Dartmouth could potentially become more True. attractive True. Yeah. to, uh, dare I say Hunter Dickinson? No, look, like if, if I were, I'm sure Dartmouth's players are going to be saying, yeah, we suck right now. You, you let us unionize. Maybe we can get some decent players who will get paid. And then of course the school will say, well, if they're decent enough, they're going to go to a school that has NIL money. That'll blow your salary out of the water. It's a back and forth. It'll never work, but it is super interesting. And I think it's funny. I think the fact that we're entertaining this and discussing this is, is I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. I think it's a lot of good banter because I know when I bring this up with my uncles or my in-laws uncles or the older generation, they are going to slam both fists on the table, shatter and ruin Thanksgiving dinner, ruin the roast beast that we have during Christmas dinner, because they're going to say that these spoiled Ivy League rich Dartmouth kids can't just shoot. They don't have enough. They got to unionize now. This and I an can't wait for that. It's an Occupy Wall Street uh, version of college basketball here. So oh, shout out. Yeah. I, one more thing here. Shout out to whoever, whoever on this team is a marketing major which I don't even know how, how if that's even worth anything at Dartmouth or if, you know, if they have that program. Like anything's on worth yeah, you would, you, but, uh, but, uh, or meaning if it's worth any, whatever, you don't go to Dartmouth to be a marketing sure, major, sure, I guess sure. is what I'm getting at. If there, if there is a guy on that team, shout out to him though. Cause this is the most that Dartmouth basketball has ever, like you said, it's ever been talked about in like 70 years. So maybe, maybe hold on, come back around. Maybe that is why they should be uh, compensated more because now that guy in particular has gotten Dartmouth basketball more play on huge, college basketball podcasts like ours uh, than has probably ever been talked about before. We joke about a oh, whole big brain move, right? We joke about that, that meme where he points, points his finger to the head. Uh, those are genuinely some of the biggest brains in that age bracket in the entire country. 
for sure up there in, in Hanover, New Hampshire. So that it, it could very well be a big brain move, but I'm glad we got some thoughts on that, Taylor. Uh, moving on to that same general area of the country, Ed Cooley, he returns to Providence Saturday, January 27th. It is confirmed Big Bad Ed goes back to the school that many are saying he betrayed and spurned. And so that, I mean, the dunk, I'm calling it the dunk. It's not the amp, whatever. I don't care. It's going to be insane. The Providence faithful who are hyenas sober are going to be absolute wildebeests drunk and loaded. And so I cannot wait for this game. I have it circled. I'm very much going to be tuned in Taylor, your thoughts, your initial thoughts. I mean, we knew this was obviously yeah. going to happen when he went to Georgetown. We knew at some point he'd have to return to Providence. We get it on a Saturday, though, the 27th. No distractions for either yeah. team. Deep in a college Fan basketball base, season. Yeah. yeah, deep in a college basketball season. College football's over. NFL won't ha- be happening that day. It'll happen the next day. will be the conference championships, actually, I believe. Um the other thing it brought up to me, though, is how many of Providence's former coaches are coming back to Providence in one year. Uh, Patino nice. will be there. Hurley will be there this year, uh, which, I mean, uh, these things will, just like Hooley, will happen and have happened, whatever. But uh, the fact that there's that many kind of now coming back all in the same year is a pretty notable. Well, Dan- Danny Hurley was Rhode Island. I feel like Rhodey oh, yeah, yeah, and PC yeah, people will be very yeah, upset about that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry. People that have some history with the area, whatever. Patino's Patino is really where the one I was going with that. But um no, it's it's it'll be a scene. Uh it will be uh, the definition of the name of this program and that is theater. Um and I I mean as much as we hate on Providence, I don't know. Do we even hate on Providence anymore in this podcast? I don't think we do. Losing the shark kind of reduced our hate, I would say. Shout out to the shark. Shark has to be feeling good this week. His left hand is probably still in the air. But that's Dude, I wish we had the shark here on this episode to take us through the roller coaster and emotions he had going down 18 or 21 to the Broncos and then coming back and then the Hail Mary and then st- still winning but yes, I wish he was on the program to just talk about that. The, the snapshot that I'm that we all that <laughs> got um, was maybe a top five Snapchat I've ever got him. I, I think actually, let me dive off into a second here. I think the shark is the only person that I even get snaps from anymore at this point. Like, so shout out to him for at least it might be the only reason I keep that app on my on my phone. It's the once every like three month snap I get from him about um, a, com- a, co- a commander's win. So anyway, no, it's going to be great uh, with Cooley coming back. Um, it is it's exactly everything you like about college basketball and college sports in, in general, right? When this stuff happens in the pros, it's kind of like, well, yeah, you know, unless it's like a Boston, I'm giving you guys props here for once, unless it's like a Boston, like an old school sports town that actually really cares about their sports. I'd maybe say even like a Pittsburgh, like if a Tomlin went and coached the Patriots and came back, you know, something like that um, or, or vice versa in that situation. But so I, this is everything you like about college athletics. Um, sometimes it's everything you don't like about college athletics too. Um so I, it should be one of the most notable, at least for us college, you know, kind of deeper college basketball fans. I hope nationally it gets the play that it probably should. I don't know if it will because I honestly don't even know what the other games are that that day in particular. But it really uh, will be a notable experience, and Providence fans will be 
yeah, that's one where God, if if ESPN was good at what they do, that would be a great uh, college game day site, even though that's not going to happen just because of like the vitriol and the and the I can just imagine the scenes at like 4 a.m. in front of the amp there, just people probably with singular fingers up yelling something about Ed Cooley for 12 to 18 straight hours. Yeah, I'm excited for this game. It's going to be amazing. I'm actually picturing this, Taylor. I'm picturing the primetime game on Fox or FS1. We got Rob Stone in the studio or Mike Hill in the studio. Of course it won't be ESPN. Yeah, sorry. No, but I I mean, game day could still absolutely go there and they should go there. But I'm picturing Gus on the call or maybe like Tim Brando on the call with Donnie Marshall. And it's just an electric, electric atmosphere. But the only thing that I'm worried about is that this gets taken slightly too far. And we've seen this recently with the Colorado, Colorado State football game. That game was awesome. It had everything, anger, vitriol, crazy plays, penalties. We saw it all. A cheap shot, which we didn't want to see, but and, and Travis Hunter's hurt, and that really sucks. But it got taken to a new level where people are sending death threats to Henry Blackburn's family and himself. And I just, I hate when we're all having a good time, enjoying real hatred, real disdain for each other. And then we all have to pull back and be like, why did you ruin it? Why did you send a death threat? Now we have to be serious and rein it back. So I want, and I am here for the anger and the animosity from Providence fans towards Ed Cooley, but I want it to just be kept at that. Nothing like racist, Nothing uh, regarding death threats, nothing that crosses the line is is what I'm hoping for. Of course, there will be something to be said because I have zero faith in humanity, but I'm expecting something along the lines of what we saw when when Chris Beard returned to Lubbock. I'm talking like full police presence. Would you say, Chuck, they got a police presence? It's one of my favorite clips ever. <laughs> Chris Paul's trying to beat me up. <laughs> Dude, they, I mean, that's what I feel like they, they should have brought that up. This is what police presence are, are here for, right? Not Rockets Clippers. Shaq, they said a police presence. Oh, God, that's so good. I might um, watch that after this episode, but man, I'm fired up for this. I'm fired up for it. I will say, I'm going to say that there's not going to be death threats in this situation because that seemingly is, I'm sure people can tell, can prove to me wrong a hundred times what I'm about to say, but that's usually more of a football situation there's a different set of people who watch football especially college football than college basketball i'm not saying they're both not equally mentally deficient in the head like uh you know like ourselves i'm not even i'm looking in the mirror when i say that i'm not calling other people out you know just kind of we're a little off that we commit this much time to college basketball um but those people usually aren't as violent as say maybe a Texas football crowd or a Georgia football crowd, or even, I guess, a Colorado football crowd. I'm also not, I, how do I say this in the right way? Death threats are not okay. That's not okay. That's not okay. Pretty much everything else that was said about Blackburn was probably almost within like an okay, like, cause that was not, that was, that was not good. That oh, was terrible. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, that was not good. Terrible. And the stand, just the little bit of the stand over him after it too, where it's like, okay, death threats. No, pretty much the level below that in terms of like the yelling at someone, I was all cool with That's what I'm saying though. Then people took it to death threats and now it's like, yeah. Oh, and I told now we're on now like prime has to say like, don't send them death threats, things like that. Like, come on. Uh, 
I, I, I can't I remember. I, maybe it was you. I don't know. I can't remember. I think maybe it was code. I, one of the, one of the guys I talked to during every sporting event, um, I was like, Oh, I pretty much said, Oh, that guy's going to get like, he's going to be an unsafe place after essentially after this game, you know, like, uh, Oh, this is definitely like a death threat situation, you know, given the fervor yeah. that was around that game and on campus blackout game at night, like it's midnight by the time that game got over literally like 3 a.m. 2 a.m. on the East coast when that game got over, which is crazy. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is not, this is not going to go well for him. So yeah. unfortunately right. you hate to be right in those situations, but yeah, this kind of sucks. <laughs> We've been watching sports enough to know that that was going to happen. Uh, you're right about college football fans being crazier and having a, uh, one more screw loose than basketball fans. I think like Nebraska, who's been terrible, terrible, has like a 60-year sellout streak. People are still shelling out money to go see Nebraska football. Honestly, they might have a better product on the basketball court the last few years. Volleyball court. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That they're 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 running things in the athletic department. But yeah, uh Ed Cooley going back to Providence, it would be something if he got a victory there. That ooh, I could only I'd I'd listen and jump on the Criers podcast for that one to, to get his. I might need a live stream of him during that game. That'll be something. Ed Cooley returning back to Providence, though, Saturday, January 27th. Mark your calendars. Real quick, Taylor, before we dive in to the latest and greatest grid, speaking of, again, you mentioned Patino, right? We got Ed Cooley. Rick Barnes, another former Providence coach. He received a contract extension through 2027 to 2028. So I think – Something's interesting with Tennessee. I think I know your thoughts on on Tennessee, but I said a couple of weeks ago, and I'm steadfast in this, they are super underrated going into this season. I think they are a legitimate Final Four contender. I think they're going to win the SEC. We'll get to some predictions later, but they are so good. And I think Rick Barnes, this is the year. People have been saying it for so long, but I really think this is going to be one of Rick Barnes' best teams. And what's so interesting and fascinating about Tennessee is that people acknowledge that they're good, but I think people have said their window's closed. Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams, that was their window, and it's closed. No, 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 not so fast, my friend. Don't forget Sagai Siegler was out. Don't forget that they beat a trendy, trendy Duke team pretty handle, uh, relatively handily. Okay, so Rick Barnes, well-deserved, one of the best coaches in the game, one of the best coaches the game has seen, uh, receives a contract extension. Please do not sleep on the Vols this year just because of what has happened in the, in the last few years and what preconceived notions you have about Rick Barnes. Yeah, no, I, he's put together or has built um, or continued maybe would be the way to put it. Um, a, a, what is now a very high-level basketball program and has been for 20, 25 years, 20 years. I mean, I'm sure my numbers are a little off on that, but they're, in my mind, Tennessee hasn't been bad or – even mediocre in in our kind of adult lifetime that's for sure uh rick barnes is certainly built upon that and i think he certainly um you know is pretty much going to be allowed to coach her as long as he wants as long as he keeps this this up which is great for him um i don't know if barnes is overrated or underrated or if at this point he point he's just rated he might be you know rated. yeah you know i think he's I, he's got a nice little sweet spot there uh in tennessee i don't have a problem with tennessee the basketball program that they're some of their fan base is a little off the off in left field uh, or, or out in left field. But, um, but I uh, am completely with you on that. They're the type of school now that should be thought of as a top three conference contender every single year. 
you know, because you're seeing these other teams rotated in and out, the Arkansas, the Alabama, so on and so forth. But who's there every year uh, with a chance um, almost, you know, maybe not every year, but every other year for sure with a chance to win the conference. Um, they certainly play up to uh, their competition on the road, you know, at some tough places to play in the SEC. So, no, I think you totally – totally with you on how good they're they're going to be this year and i think a lot of people will be made aware of that especially as the calendar ticks over to 2024 specifically i'm very much looking forward to the vols uh this upcoming season but rick barnes congratulations contract extension all right taylor let's get on out of here doing a grid all right so i put you on the spot last week i hope you looked at this and did the grid on your end i'm looking at this for the first time i will share with our listeners what we are seeing on the vertical axis we got Kentucky, Kansas, and Duke. Shocking. I mean, I understand that this is for like some more casual fans, but there's there's other programs out there. But all right, we got Kentucky, Kansas, and Duke on the vertical axis. And on the horizontal axis, we got national champion, uh, lottery pick in the NBA draft, and 2,000-plus career points NCAA. All right, so I'm going to dive in here. National champion for Kentucky. I'm going to say Jared Polson. All right. Mm. So I did not look at this beforehand. Just FYI. It is the first right. time I'm saying this as well. So are you good with me diving in on this then? Yes, totally. Totally. Let's this is a great new seg- This is a great new segment you've come, you've come up with as well. I mean, as long as, oh, there he was. I think it's just P-O-L, isn't it? P-O-L-S-O-N, right? There so. he is. Yeah. There's my guy. Jared Paulson, 0.5, baby. There All right, go. Kentucky lottery pick. At this point, it's just rarity, I suppose. But you know what? I'm going to go Sam Bowie. Hmm? I'm hoping people forgot about Sam Bowie. You think Michael Kidd Gilchrist will be? <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, it's, what do you think is rarer, Taylor? Michael Kidd Gilchrist or Sam Bowie? Sam Bowie, because this is all most people doing this are under the age of 30 or, you know, 35 and under, I would say. All right, we're going Bowie. 1.5, thank you. 2,000-plus career points. This is going to be the toughest one of the It of is. The Eat by far. You think Rex Chapman has 2,000-plus career mm. points? I mean, you're going to have to go pretty far back because it's going to have to be. Ron Mercer? Nazi Muhammad, maybe? Nazi no, he probably, didn't score that many, he probably didn't score that many points. Tuan? Hmm. I mean that ninety that ninety five through ninety nine era when when Patino was there was, was Jody Meeks there for uh, for all the years. Ooh. Yeah, that's probably a good. I'm one. I'm gonna say Jody Meeks. That's probably a good one. Come on, Jody. Oh damn. We'll come back to that. Mm. All right, uh, Kansas national champion. Who's on that Kansas national championship team? So could go with your boy Mario Chalmers. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone. Oh, was Sasha Khan on that team? I think he was. And in that range, I'm going to go Sasha Khan. Yeah. Oh, he's got a picture. One percent is actually even surprising. That one percent of people out of that like jared polson at, at half a percent that's pretty good i'm surprised one percent of people thought of sasha khan uh lottery pick i'm thinking t rob oh you know who is a good one for kentucky now that i think about it is daniel orton 
Daniel Orton would have been a good one. 2000. Oh, for lottery pick. I, wasn't he a lottery pick or was he just a first round pick? I think he was a first round pick. I yeah, think he was I think like late right. by the magic. I could, which was absurd that. that he even like, yeah. Was to like, I mean, Dakari, jo- was Dakari Johnson? No, this is fun. This is yeah, what, Daniel, this is what Daniel, dudes are doing. All right. We Daniel, talk about random players. Daniel Orton was the 29th pick. So yeah, I'd have gotten that wrong. Okay. I know he was one of the more random just draft, like first round draft picks in general, but yes, conti- continue on. Ooh, was Rafe LaFrance a lotto pick? Mm. I'm going to say Rafe LaFrance. Nice. 2.3%. 2.3% right. of people got Rafe LaFrance. That, there's no way. That's no, there's no way. <laughs> Uh, two thousand plus career points. I mean, should we just go Wilt? Does that what, or Pierce? I, I, I go Wilt because just I want to see. I just want to see how many people would have picked Wilt because I feel like there's a maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's He's, not a, yeah. He but he didn't even get it. Oh uh, well, maybe because they, they probably didn't play freshman basketball at that time either. I'm gonna go to unlimited guesses so we can get these. Yeah, but there you go. We'll we'll know. How many? So I've gotten two wrong. I mean, Paul Pierce would have would have had to be one. I was thinking Pierce, but oh, no. see, like two thousand points well, no, is a freaking he, lot. Well, was he only? Was he not, he probably wasn't there for four years, though, was he? Um, hmm. I mean, was Chal was Chalmers there for Josh Selby? No, uh, Sharon Collins. <laughs> I, you know what? It actually Mario might be Mario Chalmers because he's. The thing that we always joke about is how he like checks every box of like everything. Uh-huh. Nope, no, because he was like steals leader points. Like he had every yeah. leading of everything at some point during his career. There. Uh, hang on, we're we're gonna we're gonna keep brainstorming this. So just hang tight. Uh, Duke national champion. So let's. I mean, Marshall Plumley. <laughs> I mean, do you think of anyone more random? I mean, they got enough. I'm just trying to think of the way back machine here. Yeah. Who else is on that? I mean, goddamn O one team. Uh, oh, I was going even for like a Chris Duhon. Duhon's not bad. Um. Let's see. Uh, why can't I? Why can't I think of uh, the white dude's name? Uh, to play the NBA forever. Uh, for- Leitner? No, uh, on that team. Brian Zubak is an answer for this too, by the way. I, I, no, uh, why can't, Jesus, why, why can't I think of his name? Um, Singler? This, well, that's later on, yeah. <laughs> um, Mike Dunleavy. Oh, Dunleavy. You want to go with Dunleavy? Yeah, sure. All right. I, I think looked Zubak's I, I looked. I looked up. I, I looked at the roster, so I could tell you what a very rare one would be. But that's that would we would know. But I'll, uh, I won't. yeah, but who who was it? Just uh, Dante Jones. Oh, Dante Jones won a time. Damn, he's got a he's got a ring in the NBA too, doesn't he? That would be a good one for this grid. Point eight. Nice. Okay. Okay. All right. Duke Lotto pick. Uh, I feel like people forget about Jalil Okafor. Jalil beats. Dunleavy would have been a good lottery. (laughs) Dunleavy would have been a good one. Yeah. Yeah, Dunleavy probably checks all three of these boxes. (laughs) Where did Daniel Ewing get drafted? Mm. Was he he a lottery pick? Uh, I don't think so. 
Let's I'm gonna see. go. I'm gonna go Okafor. I'll go Okafor here. Oh shit! That was eleven percent. People did wow. not forget. No way! Eleven percent of people. From, I don't know. I All think right. some late, of these numbers draw. Some of these late, numbers draw. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, this crossover grid is completely inferior to like immaculate grid and hoops grid, but this is the only one with college yeah. basketball, unfortunately. Right. No, I. Uh, Leitner has to be 2000 plus, right? Yeah, it has to be. Oh, God. We got Leitner. Who are we missing for Kentucky and Kansas then? Oh, uh, Danny Manning. Yeah. Danny Manning had to be for Kansas, right? Mm hmm. Thank you. And Kentucky. Try to think of someone else that would, would be applicable in this situation. Uh, Ashburn. I'm trying to think of way back, like a Keith Bogans. Mm. I'm kind of surprised Jody Meeks wasn't on there. I think it's because I'm thinking of his insane 50 pointer that he had in the NBA, or he had a crazy game in the NBA. But uh, hang on, let me see Ron Mercer if he wants to join us. Well, he also had like 50 plus points in a game in college too. It was in college, right? Yeah, 54. Okay, or something like what that. the hell? Uh, who's the other guy I was thinking of there with Kentucky? So, Rex okay. So I, I'm going with him. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. I just pulled it up and you're not. There's only three. Oh, there's only three. Okay. Damn. All right. Give, can, not, I get a, can I get an You're era? not going to get any. You're not going to get any of them. I, I, just straight up. I who's mean, the most recent one? I, I'll, I'll quit after this. <sighs> most recent one is 1986. God damn it. All right, let's hear him. Dan Issel, Kenny Walker, and Jack Givens are the only three 2,000-point scorers in Kentucky basketball history. And honestly, you could have given me a 1,000 guesses, and I wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten that. <laughs> Dan Issel, man, get out of here. That's tough. Well, That's crazy, though. Well, so, I, I mean, mean, is it crazy, though, without all the one-and-dones? It probably shouldn't be. Well, but one-and-dones only like a 15-year thing. And Kentucky, Kentucky's the, arguably the best basketball program our manifesto had them as the number one basketball program. Correct. So, I mean, yeah, surprising that, but maybe that's the other thing is they've always been so good that there's not a guy that just sticks out. Like Jody Meeks is a rarity at Kentucky. Someone who was taking that many shots per game. Cause usually they've been so good. Um, you know, that they have five, at least three guys on each team that could score the basketball. So maybe that's a, uh, a reason why there was just too many, too many mouths to feed, so to speak. Yeah. All right, so just a quick recap of what the most popular ones are. Kentucky National Champion Anthony Davis, Kentucky Lottery Pick John Wall, and pretty much you have a 33% chance of getting it. Uh, Kentucky 2,000-plus career points, Dan Issel. Uh, I'm, I'm content with with uh, who we went with. And then Kansas, hey, there's your boy, Mario. People know him. Uh, lottery pick, they go Joel for Kansas, and then 2,000-plus career points. Danny Manning probably should have gotten that. Uh, Duke title winner Christian Leitner, lottery pick Zion, and Leitner also for 2,000-plus points. So there's also only three 2,000-point scores for, in Kansas basketball history too, which is kind of surprising as well. Hey, good for us for getting Danny Manning. I'm trying to. I'm curious to yeah. know the other. Danny Manning coming. literally has like 900 more points than the next than the next guy who – was do, do we know them though oh yeah 
Uh, so Ray LaFrance was is number three. Number two, Shit. number two Don't is. Can I get a hint? You want? He's a guy that was in college forever and somehow was in the pros forever too. In our in our very recent college or college and NBA fanhood. Terry Ellis. <laughs> no, no. How did he not score two thousand points? He scored eighteen hundred points. Um, Keith uh, Langford actually up there eighteen hundred points. Uh, Frank Mason, surprisingly large amount of points. He's six all time. Frank Mason is. Wait, was it Kirk Heinrich? Uh, no, Kirk Heinrich's not even in the top ten. Who was it? It's a guy that just retired from the NBA in two thousand eighteen. Oklahoma City Thunder legend. Uh oh, Nick Collison. Yeah. Mm. Uh huh. Somehow. Back tracks. Somehow. How did Nick Collison scratch out like a 15 year NBA career? By the way, dude, that is the epitome of know your role, do it well, be a good locker room guy. Six like, five and one were his are his career stats in the NBA. Six, if five, you one. if you looked at everyone like if you looked at russell westbrook and kevin durant's interactions even james harden's right you'd be like damn these people probably hate majority of the people they come in contact with but if you ask them about nick collison or anyone that's shared a bench with nick collison they probably like i will not be surprised if nick collison is not only at their hall of fame speeches but is shouted out in those speeches you don't you don't Haslam. I mean, Udonis Haslam yeah. was a better NBA player at one point than Nick. Nick Collison had like three good years, essentially, where he averaged nine point six, nine point eight, and eight points. But then, like from two thousand ten on, his highest point total per game is five point nine points per game. Like, and he stuck out for like eight, nine more seasons in the NBA, averaging like four points a game. That's pretty how many, crazy. How many? Uh, I'll, I'll let you go here. I know you got father. No, I don't years. care. How many Duke players have scored two thousand plus? Uh, there's a significant amount more, if I remember correctly. Um, I want to say there's like 10. Let me pull that back up. I might be wrong with that, uh, but I thought there were a lot. So Duke has at least 10. Yeah. Shire is one of them. Danny <laughs> Ferry, Mike Jabinski, Kyle Singler, Johnny Dawkins, Christian Leitner, of course. Uh, JJ Reddick's the all-time. Oh, I should have uh, gone Reddick. Duh. Yeah. But that the fact stupid. that well, it's just kind of interesting, you, you know, now that now that almost everybody has turned our podcast off at this point. Um, <laughs> it is interesting that I mean, Duke is probably the least successful of the three programs, which yeah. is a crazy thing to say, at least from a longevity uh, standpoint. Longevity, sure, but they have more titles in Kansas, right? Yeah, but I mean, Kansas has been doing it like this Correct. for a hundred years. Yep. And yep. so for Duke to have like 10. And to have sure. more than the other two combined is 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 pretty crazy, in my in my estimation. I, no, I, would not I think I think that's a good that. point. That's a very I, I would have expected Kentucky to have because if we're thinking if we're thinking along the same lines of like okay like all these teams were good, a lot of these guys are yeah Johnny Dawkins on on good on good teams, Leitner on good teams, Singler on good all these guys were on good teams, Danny Ferry, uh, Mark Larry. Jason Williams, John Shire, all these guys were on teams that had other NBA players, especially Jay Williams. Jay Williams, he was on a team with like seven other NBA players at the same time and somehow scored more than 2,000 points. But maybe that goes to show how good that, <laughs> that, that those teams were. They have multiple 2,000-point scorers on their roster at the same time. Shire, I mean, Shire and 
Shire and Reddick, did they overlap a year or were they back to back? I think they were I don't think they, I don't think they overlapped. Yeah, they didn't yeah. overlap. I think they were senior into freshman though. Mm. But yeah, pretty crazy to have like back to back to back to back essentially two thousand point scorers on the roster. Uh there. Tell you what. Dookie land. You're right. You're right. Hey, you know what though? Shout out to Jared Polson. Shout out to Sasha Khan. Shout out to Jalil Okafor, Mike Dunleavy, Dunleavy, Brian Zubek. I love you too, man. Uh, And shout out to you, the listener. Thank you as always for listening to us. We will catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.